May I ask you all to please stand for the reading of scripture this morning. It comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them high up in the mountains by themselves. After he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like a sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, and if you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice in the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has been risen from the dead. These are the words of the, from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So this morning we're wrapping up our sermon series called Be the Change. Thank you, choir, for the beautiful anthem. It was so fitting for where we are um, as we leave the ordinary time and head into the season of Lent. And this morning I want to share with you something that God is doing that is transformative and powerful, and that's happening at Asbury College. Now, um, you may have heard of Asbury before. It's located in Wilmore, Kentucky. Um, it's a Methodist uh, college, and across the street from the college is a, is a Methodist seminary um, where many of our pastors in South Georgia um, have been trained and have been through schooling. But across the street at Asbury College, God is pouring out his spirit in a special and powerful way. And, and I want to share with you this morning the words of Tom McCall, who is a professor of theology at Asbury Seminary, and what he experienced um, in the midst of this outpouring of God's spirit on the campus of Asbury College. He writes this, this is from Christianity, Christianity Today, excuse me. <clears throat> Most Wednesday mornings at Asbury University are like any other. A few minutes before 10, students begin to gather in Hughes Auditorium for chapel. Students are required to attend a certain number, number of chapels each semester, so they tend to show up as a matter of routine. But this past Wednesday was different. After the benediction, the gospel choir began to sing a final chorus. And then something began to happen that defies easy description. Students did not leave. They were struck by what seemed to be a quiet but powerful sense of transcendence. And they did not want to go. They stayed and continued to worship. They are still there. When I arrived, I saw hundreds of students singing quietly. They were praising and praying earnestly for themselves and their neighbors in our world, expressing repentance and contrition for sin and interceding for healing, wholeness, peace, and justice. Some were reading and reciting scripture. Others were standing with arms raised. Several were clustered in small groups praying together. A few were kneeling at the altar rail in front of the auditorium. Some were lying prostrate, while others were talking to one another, their faces bright with joy. 
They were still worshiping when I left late in the afternoon. And when I came back in the evening, McCall says, they were still worshiping then. When I arrived Thursday morning, and by mid-morning, hundreds were filling the auditorium again. I've seen multiple students running toward the chapel each day. By Thursday evening, this is last Thursday, they were, there was standing room only. Students had begun to arrive from other universities, University of Kentucky, University of Cumberland's, Purdue University, Indiana Wesleyan, Ohio Christian, Transylvania, Midway, Lee University, Georgetown, Mount Vernon Nazarene, and many others. The worship continued throughout the day on Friday and, and indeed all through the night. On Saturday morning, I had a hard time finding a seat. My evening, the building was packed beyond capacity. Every night, some students and others have stayed in the chapel to pray through the night. As of Sunday morning, the momentum shows no sign of slowing down. That was last Sunday. Students are still gathering in prayer, experiencing the presence of God in a real and powerful way there in Hughes Auditorium and across the Asbury campus. I have friends who've flown to Asbury from across the United States to experience what God is doing there. And I hear from some that when they entered into the chapel, they just wanted to stay there because there was peace. There was a space where they felt the transcendent and powerful presence of God. And for a few moments, I wanted to jump in my car and head to Kentucky to see for myself. But almost as soon as I would make up my mind that it's time for me to go and experience this and see it for myself, this move of God that is happening, I was reminded by the voice of God saying, no, Jonathan, your work is here in Statesboro. Your call is here. And my prayers for revival are for revival to happen right here. Then I read this week's lectionary text. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, the Sunday before Ash Wednesday when Jesus takes his disciples high up on a mountaintop. And I'll invite you to open your Bible and read along with me in Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Matthew 17, verse 1. It says there, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Luke's account of this particular moment says that Jesus took them up the mountain to pray. This is six days after Jesus has told his disciples that he would be betrayed, suffer, and die before rising on the third day. Now pay attention here because, the Jesus, because Jesus and the disciples go up the mountain together to the top of the mountain. That means something. In the scriptures, mountaintops are of great significance. Noah and his family are rescued from the flood, delivered from the flood on a mountaintop. Moses hears the voice of God from the burning bush on the mountain. The Hebrews' first encounters with God are on the mountain. Elijah faces the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Jesus preaches his most famous sermon, the sermon we've been moving through these last few weeks on the mountain. So Jesus and the disciples are up on the mountaintop praying together. Then the scriptures say this, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Can you imagine this moment? 
We have a word, a good seminary word for moments like this. It's called theophany. Theophany, when, when God reveals himself in the moment to humanity, it's called theophany. It's a holy moment. It's a moment that you want to capture. It's a moment that you want to bottle up. It's a moment that you want to experience and stay in and revel in forever. And Peter, overcome by the moment, interrupts Jesus' conversation with Moses and Elijah. I'm going to say that again because I don't think you got the joke. Peter, overcome by the moment, interrupts Jesus' conversation with Peter and Elijah to state the obvious. Verse 4 says, Peter said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Right, Peter. It is good for us to be here. And Peter goes on and says, if you wish, I will put up three shelters, three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, and then way back on the other side of the hill, one for us, disciples. We should stay here in this moment of theophany. We should stay here in the presence and the power of God. And while Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased listen to him when the disciples heard this they fell face down on the ground terrified but Jesus came and touched them get up he said do not be afraid and when they looked up they saw no one but Jesus as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone about what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Mountaintops are powerful places. I'm not a climber, I'm not really a hiker, but I enjoy the mountaintop experience. I, I like going to the top of the mountain to see what I can see. The last mountaintop I was on overlooked the ocean and you could see for miles and miles and miles, the most beautiful hues of blue and the sun setting far off in the distance. I love a mountaintop. Mountaintops are incredible places. I mean, look at the views. That's good stuff. I love going to Stone Mountain and Brasstown Bald and just seeing how far I can see. Being on the mountaintop gives you a new perspective on life. Mountaintops are also safe places. On the top of the mountain, you can see threats that are coming your way. This is why in the ancient world, and even today, cities are built high up on hilltops. It's the reason you build your castle high on the hill, because it's safe there on the top of the mountain. You can see the threats. And mountaintops are places where you can rest. Let's be honest, compared to the climb up the mountain and the descent back down into the valley, mountaintops are easy. There's no place else to go. So when you're on the mountaintop, you can rest. I mean, who doesn't love a good mountaintop? But what about those spiritual mountaintops that we have in our lives? I mean, we can all probably think of a moment when we felt the transcendent presence of God in our lives for ourselves. I think back on my years in youth ministry and my years as a youth on all those third nights of the, the conferences we attended. You ever been to the third night of a conference, youth conference? Third night of the youth conference goes like this. You have the biggest worship, the loudest worship, and then right before the night ends, the music sinks down, right? And, and the main speaker comes out on the stage and says... Tonight's the night where we make a decision. 
And suddenly, hundreds of you stream down the aisles to the altar to receive prayer, to give their lives to Jesus Christ because they're in the moment. They feel the transcendent power of God. I have been there. I have seen it with my own eyes. I felt it. Or how about the walk to Emmaus? That's a mountaintop moment, isn't it? A week spent in the presence of others who are diligently striving to experience God's power and God's presence in their lives. It's a mountaintop moment. Mountaintop moments are happening at Asbury College right now. And maybe your mountaintop moment was actually with Jesus on a mountaintop. I don't know. But we all have these defining moments with God in our lives. These moments when we know in the deepest part of our being that we are having an encounter with the living God. That's where the disciples are on top of the mountain with Jesus. They're safe. They're secure. They can see the threats. They're resting in God's presence when Jesus is transformed before them. And suddenly, God's presence engulfs them. And Peter wants to build three shelters. One for Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Because Peter wants to stay right here. He just wants to bask in the glory of this moment forever. And who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to do that? Think about Peter. Up on the mountaintop, Peter doesn't have to deal with the poor or the sick, or the demon-possessed. On the mountaintop with Jesus, you don't have to worry about Pharisees and gossips or cynics. On the mountaintop, you can just bask in the presence of God and listen in on heavenly conversations. Peter is wrapped up in his mountaintop experience. Matthew's gospel doesn't recount what Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were talking about, but Luke's gospel does. Luke says that that they were talking about Jesus' departure, literally Jesus' exodus. They were talking about his mission and his purpose. And Jesus understands something that Peter fails to recognize or realize and something that we often fail to recognize or realize. It's this, that Jesus can't live out God's purpose for his life on the mountaintop. Jesus can't do God's will, the will of the Father, if he stays up on the mountaintop. No, he's got to go down into the valley because there is a boy down there who needs to be delivered from a demon. There are people who are diseased and who are suffering that need healing and hope and life down in the valley. There's people down there that Jesus needs to call to himself. Jesus can't live out God's purpose for his life on the mountaintop. Jesus can't stay there and do God's will. There's so much more to be done. And if that's the case for Jesus, if Jesus can't live out God's purpose for his life on the mountaintop, what makes us think that we can? This moment that we're having together today is a mountaintop moment. Worship is a mountaintop moment. It's safe, it's easy, it's fun. And God's presence truly is here. But you can't live out God's purpose for your life in the confines of these four walls. God's purpose for your life, God's call, 
God's will for you is out there in the world. You can't be the change here in these walls. We have to be the change out there. We can't live out God's purpose here. It must be done out there. We can't become the people that God has created us to be if we choose never to leave the mountaintop or if all we're ever looking to do is to experience another mountaintop moment. Friends, in life, we are blessed with a few transcendent moments with God, thin places in our lives where God's presence surrounds us and engulfs us and transforms us. These transcendent mountaintop moments inspire us, but they aren't where God is calling us to be. Because life and faith don't happen on the mountaintop. Life and faith happens down in the valley. Down at your office. Down in your neighborhood. Down at your house. If you want to do the will of God, you've got to leave the mountaintop. That's why at communion, when we gather around the altar, we pray this prayer. Make these gifts of bread and wine be for us the body and blood of Christ. Why? that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Because Jesus never calls us to live on the mountaintop. No. He calls us to have our lives blessed, broken, and given away in the world for the world and for his kingdom down in the valley. So this morning, I want to challenge you if you found yourself on a mountaintop wanting to set up a tent and dwell there, to come on down. Because God has a plan and purpose for you and for your life. You can't realize and become the person that God created you to be up on the mountaintop. Because yes, you can experience God there. But God is at work down in the valley. That's where your purpose and your fulfillment lie not up there on the mountaintop or in here on the mountaintop, but out there with the world, helping God's kingdom break into places near and far. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, for far too long we have been far too comfortable simply enjoying your presence. We have become spectators and we've set up shop simply to experience your presence. But Lord, we know that you don't draw us into transcendent moments simply to have us sit. Instead, you draw us into transcendent moments in order that we might be sent out into the world to bring transformation and life in the same ways that you have brought transformation and life to us. So we pray today, God, that as we are experiencing new life in you, that we would share new life with the world. We pray today, God, that as, as we find confidence and strength in your presence, that we would carry that same confidence and strength out into the world to share your gospel, your good news with our friends, our neighbors, and with those who are in need. Lord, let us be the change. Let us be people who bear your grace and love and hope out in, into the world. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.